Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. All of a sudden, I'm over. I'm James Bond rolling down the steps. You know, with me, you know, I wasn't actually, I was sprawled out. Everybody saw me do it. You know, the kids, they were just wetting themselves laughing. <laughs> Caroline, there was a look of horrific, oh no, what have you done? Kind of thing. Got pigeon poop on my jacket. You know, then she's baby wipes and antibacterial. That's first thing that comes up. I'm there on the floor and she's hold your hands out. Caroline, just give... Anyway, if you know my wife, she just loves the antibacterial and the wipes and everything else. What is the point of this story? Well, because I'd never been that way before, I didn't know there was a set of steps. And because I got distracted, I then took a trip and a fall. And that's like many of us in these behaviors and these cultures. Some of us have never been this way before. We've never heard this stuff. Some of you are going to hear stuff you've never heard before. Particularly on one of the things I'm going to talk about this morning. But then other times we can easily get distracted. So we're all into love and purity and keeping evil away and all that. But there's certain things that we must not be distracted by. You know, there are some things that come to the church... And we've heard this phrase, we begin to major on minors. There are some things, this is what Jesus was talking about. He says, there's a, not in, in, your, in your case, but there's a log coming out of your eye, you know, and you're bothered about the speck in another man's eye. What he's basically addressing was this whole thought of sitting in judgment, but he was also talking about the whole thought of how we can just, at times, just major on minor things, but there are some things that are really, really important and we lose sight of. So this morning, by God's grace, we're going to look at two. So Father, I pray that you would help me in the time that I've got to just lay again into the life of this church that you are wanting to bless, that you love. You love every one of these people that are committed to this church. And I believe, Lord, that your heart for this church is not for it to remain where it is, but for it to keep growing and influencing and impacting. It's only going to do that as we really embrace numbers of these behaviors and cultures, so we will stand out and we will be different. In Jesus' name, amen. So nudge your neighbor next to you and say, the first thing we want to look at this morning is the whole thought of honor. Honor. Now, I will have to say this, we live in a, in a world that honors nothing, honors no one. We live in a very, very uh, a strong culture of dishonor. Paul was uh, a police officer for many, many years. And even you might have an issue with the fact that I've even said he was an ex-police officer because you, you was raised to dishonor police. Talking to Zelia in her professional capacity and she was threatened only this, this week. Badly. I mean... We just live in a, in a culture and a society that is so dishonoring. I was, I was in a context, because of time, I want to be mindful of this, but I was walking down the street, uh, sorry, I was in a car uh, down the street, and basically what happened was, I saw it, what was coming, a kid, three kids, three or four kids, attacked a kid, I mean, paneling him, 
into the ground. I got out of the car because the traffic was stood still. Shouted, leave him alone. As a result of me leaving him alone, they did. But then they started on me. So there was like, you know, Erfin and Jebu, come on then. Y'all, y'all, they were offering me to take me out. I mean, these 15, 16-year-olds, they need, Paul, they needed one of these. And you might say, well, you're out of order. I want to tell you, if they had one of them, they probably wouldn't have done it in the first place. Can I hear a big amen? amen. Oh, some of you are still undecided on that. But let me tell you, complete dishonoring culture. By the way, the kid, as a result of that, was able to get up and scarper and record the school and said, this is out of order. I described the kids to them. Oh, yeah, we know who they are. says, you need to sort it because this is out of order. This is just bad. This is bad culture. We live in a dishonoring society. But I've, what I've realized is that that can also happen in the church. A dishonoring of, in the church. There can be a lack of honor. There can be a lack of respect and honor that we have for one another. And I think it's important that we understand there's three particular areas that we need to honor. Because the Bible says this in Proverbs 3 verse 9. It says this, we are called to honor the Lord. It's an instruction. It's a command. It says, honor the Lord. Now let me give you an understanding of what this definition means to honor. It means to place value upon. It means to add weight to. It actually comes from an Eastern practice of weighing coins. And the weight of the coin determined the value. So in essence, the heavier the coin, the more value it had. And this is the same with honor. The more you put a value on something, the more weight it has over your life. Have you got that? So the more value you put on something, the more weight it has over your life. So here's a question. First question, if you've got notes and a pad and a pen or a phone, and please can I encourage you to do so, because if they're important to us as a church, they're important for us to note down, what do we value? What do we value? Because I honestly think that honor is not just a word that we plucked out. It's a significant key to unlocking The kingdom power and blessing. As a result of me living under honor, I'll come to it. There's been such blessing that has flowed over my life. It's been remarkable. The blessing that has come to us as a family as we've sought to honor particular groups. There's blessing. I can sleep at night. There's favor. There's grace. There's things that happen in my life. This isn't, I'm not not one of the lucky ones. This isn't by chance. There's principles, there's behaviors that we've embraced that have brought such blessing to us. And I've realized the reason why people don't honor is because they won't humble themselves. So the reason why they won't honor is because there's no humility in them. The second thing is they won't honor is because they don't like or agree with the person that they're being asked to honor. It's irrelevant. So they're on the screen So, you know, you might not like the new PM. It's irrelevant. The Bible instructs us to honor those who are in government. Whether you like or agree with them, we're called to honor them. Now, we're not called to be doormats. We can have an opinion, but ultimately it comes to the point that we will honor the decisions that are made. The third reason why I think people don't honor is because they've never been taught. So why is it that we've got a group of kids who don't know how to say please and thank you? If your kids don't know how to say please and thank you, I'm going to be really brutal here because I'll be only in for another month and then you can have Stephen and he'll love you and whatever. The reason your kids don't say please and thank you is because you haven't taught them. And if you don't teach them to say please and thank you, that is a dishonoring. 
If you, your kids are not honoring and opening the door for an older person or for a lady or whatever, there's an issue. Hello, we have an issue. We need to be laying this into our, into our kids. Let them be different. Let them stand out. I'm telling you, we need to have a, a different set of values, a dif- different set of cultures. But most people haven't been taught. And thirdly, we don't uh, want to honor somebody. is because of envy. We can't bear for others to be exalted more than we are. So there's no way we're going to honor them. Because that means they're bigger than me and better than me. No, 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 it doesn't. It just means at this particular point that God has exalted them. You see, we live in an upside down kingdom. If you're a follower of Christ, and by the way, let me tell you, you're off the hook if you're not a Christian here today. You're completely off the hook with this message. I've got something to say to you, but you are off the hook. So you can actually breathe and laugh now at my jokes. Okay? But if you're a Christian, you can't. Because this is the Bible. Because we live in an upside down kingdom. That Jesus said, actually, if you will humble yourself, then I will exalt you. If you will die, you will live. If you'll give away, you'll get much. It's an upside down kingdom. And, the, and, and again, the, if we're not careful, we'll allow the, the thought and the culture of the day to enter the church. So it becomes all about us, all about mine, all about me. And Jesus nailed it. When Paul described Jesus in Philippians in chapter 2, it's going to come on the screen, verses 5 through to 9. He says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used or to his own advantage, but rather Jesus made himself nothing. He made himself nothing. So basically what Paul is describing is the fact that Jesus, who is God, the Father, God the Father sent his one and only son Jesus to the earth, and Jesus willingly became fully human, fully man, and humbled himself. Why? So he would become a servant. He took the very nature of a servant. And he was found in human appearance as a man. Verse 8. And he then goes on to say again. And he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Here's a thought. God became your servant. God became your servant. If you don't know Jesus this morning, that's how much God loved you. He came to serve you. And he showed his love by serving you. He literally came to serve you. He gave everything for you. He was the best butler you will ever have. (laughs) He came and served. He laid down all his royalty and became a man. Born in a stable. To humble parents and ultimately hung upon a cross to serve you. But it says in verse 9 of that thing, therefore God exalted him. There's the upside down kingdom. So as we humble ourselves, then God will exalt us. I've come across so many people in my life who've wanted to get on, wanted to get here as though he is brilliant. Let me tell you, he is great if you're called to be here. If you're not called to be here, leave it alone. You know, some people, I want to be a leader. Well, I'll, again, I'll come on to that. God bless you. You know, because I, I have to be honest, there's times in my life that wishes I had not got this responsibility. Genuinely. I'd be more than happy not to have this. 
But the reality is I can't help myself because God's called me. And if I don't do it, I'm living out of disobedience. So I want to please him. But God has called us not to be exalting ourselves, but to humble ourselves. And as we do that, he will honor us. What am I saying? This God showed us how to live in this honor. And there are three things that I think are so important. And I actually see this in the life of Jesus. And I could prove it to you, but time we haven't got to show it to you. But I just want to address three particular things that I think is so important as we build a behavior. First of all, we're called to honor God. Nudge the neighbor next to you and say, honor God. Proverbs 3 verse 9, as I've already said, says this. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. I've been recently re- reading through the book of Jeremiah. And in the opening chapters of Jeremiah, in chapter 2 and verse 19, there's an interesting thought there because it says, your wickedness will punish you and your backsliding will rebuke you. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God and have no awe of me. And have no awe. I've been meditating on that thought. Have no awe of me. The, very quickly, basically what was happening is there was God who loved the nation of Israel, but they were just turning to follow other gods. They were all they're interested in is bowing down to worship images that had been carved out with stone or with wood. And they were giving themselves to all kinds of things that God had told them not to give themselves to. And you may say, well, we're not doing that, but we give ourselves to money. We give ourselves to our cars. We give ourselves to our careers. We give ourselves anything that is beyond, beyond God, we worship. And we still do it in the 21st century, even in the church. And this was the issue, and God says to them, why do you keep backsliding? Why do you keep living this way? And then he addresses it, he says, you have no awe of me. You see, if we're not careful, we can lose the wonder of worshipping and honouring and serving Jesus. You know, somebody wrote this recently, the loss of mystery leads to the loss of majesty. The loss of mystery leads to the loss of majesty. I am telling you, I love the fact that I do not know everything about Jesus and about God. And there are so many questions that I have. And he is an absolute mystery to me in so many ways. The universe is the space, the, the stars, the, the, they're an absolute mystery to me. Scientists are still trying to baffle, baffle it out. But if we're not careful, what happens is they lose the loss of mystery and it leads, leads to a loss of majesty. I don't want to lose the honor of God and the worship of God. And this happens in our worlds. It happens in our relationships. It happens in our finances. It happens through our words. We're called to honor God. Secondly, we're called to honor our leaders. Now it would be remiss of me not to address this. And you may say, well, I knew this was coming because what you're now perceiving me to be is self-serving. But it's not. I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Because we're not only called to honor God, we're called to honor our leaders. And some Christian people and churches are living under a curse. They are withering and they are dying due to a lack of honor for God's designated authority. As I said to you, I didn't ask to be here. And some of you might quietly think, well, I wish you'd push off elsewhere. 
And if that is the case, all joking aside, then that is exactly the reason why I'm addressing this particular subject. Because all the way through my life, certainly, that would be wrong to say, let me go back there. For a good 25 years of my life, I've sought to be honoring of those who are, lead, who are leaders over my life. And numbers of them have not agreed with. Some pastors have not necessarily agreed with every course of their action. But I've sought to honor them. And again, if I can say to you, I think God saw our heart in that. And that's why God says, here's a man I can trust. To give him a platform to actually speak from. Because it comes out of honor. If we're trying to fight our way into leadership, it won't happen. We've got to honor those that God has put around us. Many people don't live like this because they think, well, I'll say what I want. They needed to be told. (laughs) Okay, that's fine. But I want to tell you, if you live out of that kind of spirit, there will be consequences. There will be consequences. Some people who behave poorly to their pastoral leaders. I used this illustration before. I've heard it many times, many, many times, where some people have not been happy with the church, with their pastor, and there's been some decisions, and there's been families that have risen up, and they've literally starved the pastor out of the church. The pastor with maybe one, two, three, four children. And they've said, we'll withhold what we're going to give because we don't agree. I want to say that kind of spirit is control at its root and is dishonoring. And there's no blessing that flows. I can take you to many, many churches, great churches. Phil is trying to navigate his way through a church in Manchester that basically at its root, there's numbers of reasons why it's got where it was, was at, but there was a complete dishonoring culture and we were in it for 12 months helping him through it that lived, resided in that church. Is there any reason the church dwindled from 2,000 to 30 people? Because it was a dishonoring culture. Now, before you all say, well, it's just your words, let me give you the Bible. It says here in Hebrews 13, verse 17, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. I must give an account for what I say. I must give an account for the way that I live my life. I understand that. It keeps me up at night. It does keep me thinking. It keeps me on my toes. It sometimes causes me to live with High degrees of nervousness because have I made the right decision? Am I doing the right thing? Is my heart right? Is my heart pure? So I understand that I must give an account for all that God has given to me. And we as leaders and numbers of you here, we understand that. But I also want to say, can I ask that you will do your part? Which is that you will have confidence in your leaders. And you will submit to their authority. Because most people want to address, ah, you're going to have to give an account. But yet they're not willing to submit and make it easier for the leaders who are seeking to lead them. I love what the message version says. It says this from the same passage. Be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. They are alert for the condition of your lives and work under the strict supervision of God. Contribute to the joy of their leadership, not its drudgery. Why would you want to make things harder for them? (laughs) Why would you, if I can say, come on, why would you want to make things harder for me? It's hard enough anyway. Why make it harder for me? 
Why make it harder for Stephen? Why make it harder for the, the elders and the leaders that are here? Can you hear the heart of Harvey? Let's work together. Let's honor God. Let's honor the leaders. Lighten the mood. Just high five the person next to you and say, and we need to honor one another. Come on, lighten the mood because I can see some of you, your heads are right down now. Come on, we need to honor one another. We need to honor one another. And I'm the one another as well. This is my church. I'm part of this church. I'm called to honor you. You're called to honor me. Romans 12 verse 10, it says this, be devoted to one another in love. That's the foundation stone. And honor one another above, above yourselves. One commentator from this passage says this, we've got to learn to practice playing second fiddle. Everybody wants to be the guy at the front with the violin, giving it this large. Nobody wants to be in the background, do they, doing this? Yeah, do you understand? We all want to be at the front, but what he's basically saying is, if we want to honor, we've got to honor one another above ourselves. We've got to learn to play, practice playing second fiddle. Any, any footballers here who like to score goals? You, you just like a goal? Come on, put your hand up. If you was just, you like to score the goals. You're all a bunch of fibbers, okay? I'll put my hand up. I used to love, you know, because there was a goal scorer who was just, you're not going to win games with that kind of spirit and attitude. Football is a team game. Most sports are a team game. And if you've got a prima donna giving it large, <laughs> you, know, you know, kind of, it's not going to work. Same in church. We need to honor one another. We need to exalt one another. We need to defer and prefer to one another. We need to celebrate one another's successes and victories. That's why the Bible says that we need to weep with those who are weeping. And we find that so easy. But we are to celebrate, rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And we find that very difficult because we think, why is that good happening to them and not to me? Hello, am I speaking to anybody? We need to honor one another. So what does this mean? Three things. I worship God with everything. And I will do so with mystery and majesty. I will practice playing second fiddle. By how I prefer and esteem and speak well of my leaders and one another. And I will gladly submit knowing God exalts. And he also brings low. My time's nearly gone, but if you just allow me a few more minutes, just to lay in this second thought of what do we want around here. We don't just want honor, but we also want excellence. Excellence. Psalm 8 verse 1 says this, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Let me tell you, excellence is who he is, who's who God is. And everything he does is excellent. I mean, look at the neighbor next to you. You've got to see excellence in them. I mean, come on, you guys are looking good this morning. Well, some of you are anyway. But, uh, you know, everything he does, everything he does is excellent. There was a man in the Bible by the name of Daniel. And Daniel was um, brought out of his homeland into the nation of Babylon. And the, the king at that time, Darius, 
was looking for administrators and royal rulers who would govern the kingdom of Babylon. And he appointed capable men who were just outstanding, charismatic, good-looking, you know, the kind of people that, you know, uh, Nathan would certainly be in that list. It'd be, you know, the, the, just exemplifies Nathan. And I um, thought I'd get a bit of joke than that, but a, bit better, a bigger laugh than that, but anyway, we'll move on. Okay. But, and he is all those things. But there was one man by the name of Daniel, and it says this in, in Daniel 6, verse 3. Then this man, Daniel, distinguished himself above all the other governors and administrators. Why? Because he had an excellent spirit was in him. An excellent spirit was in him. Now notice, this excellent spirit was not over him. It didn't follow him. It wasn't around him. But it was in him. It was in his being. It was who he was. It wasn't a random act of excellence. His very spirit was excellent. It set him apart from others. It wasn't just his intelligence or his charisma. But it was his heart, his passion, his tenacity, his devotion, his commitment. All the things that Daniel was. Now, let me bring some clarity very quickly. Excellence is not what that will do. It's not that kind of, well, it'll do. Oh, it'll do. Excellence is not, well, I'll give a little, but I'm not giving all. I'm, I'm here, but I'm not present. Well, let's get in and get out as quick as we can. Let's cut a few corners. Let's, let's, let's go for ease. That is not excellence. That's, that's not kind of the spirit that we want in laying into the very culture and fabric of Arena Church. Neither is it perfectionism. Some people here we will not put on decorating because they're just perfectionists. And they'll drive you and me bonkers. Neither are we talking about it being a poser. Perfectionism is, oh yeah, looking good and you're posing. And we're not after posing. We're not trying to look good. We're doing, we want to do the very best because we believe he deserves the very best. Neither is it being boastful. What it is, is we want this excellence to, to set us apart like it did with Daniel. So let me tell you what excellence is to me. This means we do the very best we can. With what we have. I'll say that again. Excellence is doing the very best we, ha- we can with what we've been given. Simon was doing a little bit of work for me. He's a plumbing. Patrick's here as a tradesman as well if you need any work doing. Um, but there's Simon here has been doing. He's my brother-in-law and he doesn't normally own up to that. But uh, I'm now exposed him for what it is. And he was doing a little bit of work for me in, in my bathroom. And it was just wonderful to see him just cut something out and... It wasn't the kind of attitude, well, I'm here on a Saturday morning, Beth and the kids are waiting at home. I want to get in and get out as quick as I can. No, no, no. You did the very best with the materials you had, with the spirit of excellence. I've had a new bookcase. Finally, we've got the bookcase in, Christine, in my office that was made at the project. And um, out of reclaimed wood and piping out of the Woolworths and they've sprayed it. It looks awesome. If you want one, they're a thousand pounds, okay? <laughs> What are you laughing at me for? No, I'm joking. The, 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 it's terrific. And um, 
to just see again the two guys just measuring it up. There was almost a side of me. I was just sat there tapping me, thinking, hey, you know, are you people? And they say, no, no, we're just a mill out. Get it open. But no, 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 they wanted to do it in the spirit of excellence. This is why we want, we know our building is not perfect. But let me tell you, that's why. And I will say this, there's numbers of you go and clean. I don't know who you are. It's the Leslie and other guys who clean and Hoover and whatever. This morning I went in. I don't know who's about. There was a lot of tissue just on the floor, obviously. I went and picked all of it up off the floor in the men's, right around the toilet. I'm, 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 let, I'm letting you guys know that this is what we need to be doing. When we was at Highlands, we'd go and use the bathroom. This was the church we went to in Alabama. Paul will have picked it up straight away. Every guy that was there, they just carried this spirit. They'd wash their hands, and please, guys, wash your hands, okay? Wash their hands, and obviously there's soap and whatever. They got the towel, they wiped it, and then they wiped it all around, and then put it in the thing. So the next person that came had a nice, clean sink. You may say that's a bit of a daft thing. No, I don't think it is actually. It's a spirit of excellence. If we see some rubbish, we're going to pick it up. Bless Carl. Carl yesterday is not here. He was out. I know he's been around those borders. You tell him I've noticed. I spotted it as soon as I get out the borders, around the things, weeding. I know you're probably going to tell him off, but I walked in and it looks terrific. Some of you ladies who do the catering, I'm going to say it again. Where's my egg custard? It's not here again. Okay. But when you put the cake, it's beautiful catering that you do. Thank you. The spirit of excellence. This is what we're talking about. We want to do the very best we can with what we've been given. Now, before you start saying, well, I ain't got much. Me and my wife, when we got married, it's different now, kids. I'm saying Kevin, Hannah, I mean, we've been around there. They've got a beautiful house. It's all nicely put together. You know, Kev's done an amazing job putting it all together. No, it's not. It's Hannah who's done it all. He ain't got a clue, actually, have you? No, not a clue. He knows where the telly works. He knows how that works. But beautiful house. But when we got married, it's different. You know, even just 25 years on, it just things. And I'm glad. I celebrate the fact that they had things there. But when we got married, nothing matched. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When we got nothing match. We had to beg, steal, borrow furniture. We were just everything was given to us. Nothing, nothing match. But I want to tell you, my beautiful wife, she carried a spirit of excellence because I want to tell you, our, our house was clean, orderly, tidy. You know, there was just none of it matched. When we had people around for meals, there were two plates and there. But she carried a spirit of excellence. Do you understand? I'm just trying to help you. It doesn't mean you've got it all perfect. But what you're doing, you're doing the very best with what you have. Have you got that? Yeah. You're doing the very best with what you have. May that be the culture of Arena Church. We might not all have eight musicians. We'd love to have, Kev would love to, Nathan would love to have more musicians. But these guys this morning did an amazing job. I wonder if it's your appreciation. Amazing this morning. If we're going to do a round of applause, there's another thing. Can we do it a bit better than that? So they did an amazing job this morning, didn't they? Okay. We've heard this before. It's like the golf clap. Are we finished yet? Come on, if we're going to... It's the spirit that we carry. I have done. It's the spirit that we carry in our hearts of excellence. It's the spirit that we carry. This spirit of honor. I wonder if we bow our heads.
some of you 